0: My wife and I had a conversation last night <clears throat> about the best way to begin this sermon um, because um, we had, I had two ideas, and one of them was Star Wars, and we didn't pick that, okay? Um, so I, I want to talk about um, somebody I think you all know. Can you put my first picture up? Um, who's that? Lance Armstrong. Okay, real briefly, if you don't… You can leave that up for a few minutes. If you don't know the story of Lance Armstrong… Uh, Lance was uh, an incredibly successful cyclist, a bicycle racer. He had um, success in all kinds of competitions. And then um, when he was 25, he was diagnosed with a life-threatening form of cancer. And he stepped back from cycling for a while and went through an incredible amount of treatment. And by the grace of God and by the skill of his medical team, and by his own determination and hard work, um, he overcame that cancer actually got back into cycling. Uh, And from 1999 to 2005, he won seven Tour de France's, which is like the big race, right, if you're not a cyclist, the big race. He won it seven times, which was kind of unheard of. And he became this household name, right? We all knew Lance Armstrong. Uh, and, and I think in 2003, during that reign of championships, he started this campaign called Live Strong. And there were these Live Strong bracelets. You remember these yellow bracelets? A lot of us wore them. They were like rubber, and they said, Live Strong. And it was this idea that like Lance, you know, we could be these people that overcame difficulty in our lives. He was just this incredibly inspiring figure, And then um, we heard in around 2012, I think, um, that he had been accused for many years of using performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, And then a report came out from the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, um, which named him as the ringleader of, quote, the most sophisticated, professionalized, and successful doping program that the sport has ever seen. He initially proclaimed his innocence, but withdrew from the sport. Um, He was given lifetime bans from all kinds of cycling, and the organization that oversees all of the Tour de France awards stripped him of his titles, so he no longer can claim to have won those seven Tour de Frances, and then uh, eventually he did confess, yes, this is my story, I, I really did this, I really did use those drugs to help me win. You can take his picture down. Um, It was a huge disappointment, uh, not just to me, I think to a lot of people, right? This was a figure that we had looked up to and um, been inspired by and really seen as kind of heroic. Uh, And then um, we sort of had our legs cut out from underneath us, right, and we discovered that um, he wasn't actually the hero we thought he was. In fact, he had been cheating all this time. Uh, it's a really painful thing when you set someone up on a pedestal, when you have incredible high hopes and expectations for them, and then they fall really, really short of those expectations, right? That happened with Lance. It happened, I mean, we could just say in passing um, between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. I mean, just we could say that in passing. Uh but I think more significantly, um, it happens here in the story of Cain. See, see, Cain is um, supposed to be the one who crushes the head of the serpent, right? Remember, it's the seed of the woman that will crush the serpent, that will defeat our spiritual enemy, that will make the world right again. And Cain is the first seed of the woman. All our expectations are, he's supposed to be this great hero. He's supposed to be this um, person who is kind of the chosen one. And instead of being the serpent crusher, he becomes the seed of the serpent. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, this experience of of how Cain sort of lets us down. uh, And Then I want to talk a little bit about how we're called to find ourselves in this story. So the the first thing I want you to understand about Cain uh, and and this letdown is it doesn't come out of the blue. Um, This is an exact parallel of the story of Genesis 3. So uh, I got, you know I hate doing PowerPoints in worship, but I'm doing it again. I guess I don't hate it as much as I say I hate it. Um, But I want you to notice this, and I thought if I didn't write it down, it would be hard to get it all in your head. So I want you to notice how intentionally the story of Cain builds upon the story of Adam and Eve, but takes it to a higher degree. Okay? So uh, in both the story of Adam and Eve and the story of Cain, God gives a human a choice about who will define good and evil, right? In and, and the garden, it's will you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Um, here, God has this conversation with Cain. You notice what God says? He says, uh, verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is lurking at your door. Do you think He says well? He doesn't say well. He says tov, right? If you do tov. If you do good, the tree of Tov and Ra, right? Uh, God saw that it was Tov, same word. Um, He says, if you do Tov, um, then you'll be fine, right? If you let me decide what's good and what's not. Uh, Okay, uh, next slide. Uh, And then um, the human's tempted by an animal. So in Genesis 3, obviously, um, evil is personified as a serpent. Did you notice? In in Genesis 4, we're told, sin is lurking at the door, its desire is for you. this word lurking, a better maybe translation is crouching, right? It's, sin is like this animal crouching at your door that desires to get you, okay? Uh, keep going. One more. Uh, obviously, in both stories, um, Eve and Adam eat the fruit. Cain kills his brother. Keep going. Um, uh, after both sins, God shows up and asks questions. Isn't this interesting? So, after Eve and Adam eat the fruit after Cain kills his brother, God shows up. He starts asking questions. What have you done? Where is your brother? Uh, and then after that, um, both times the human avoids the questions, right? Oh, well, the woman you gave me, she told me to eat the fruit. Oh, well, you know, I'm not my brother's keeper. And both times after avoiding the questions, God comes back and He, and he brings a curse, And he curses the perpetrator. This is really important. In Genesis 3, he only curses the serpent and the ground. In Genesis 4, because now Cain is the seed of the serpent, Cain gets cursed. Cursed are you from the ground. Okay, keep going. In both stories, we have a warning about desire and ruling. Eve is warned, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And here Cain is warned, sin's desire is for you, but you must rule over it, right? Same words again in the Hebrew. Um, One more, the ground gets worse every time. This is really interesting, right? But uh, in the Adam and Eve story and Adam's uh, consequences, he's told that the ground will be cursed because of him. Cursed is the ground because of you. Uh, And then um, at the end of both stories, the people get banished from God's presence, And the first story, they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And the second story, in Cain and Abel, they're kicked out of Eden, right? Eden is a region. The Garden is a a subset of it. So, they're in Eden, but in the Garden, then they get kicked out of Eden also, okay? So, do, do you see just how intentionally Moses is paralleling these stories and saying, hey, this is the same sin pattern. It's just gotten more extreme, right? It's just gotten more serious. Okay, thanks. You can take that down. So, uh, I, I want you to notice a couple of things about this story that are really important, um, and we're going to come back to them later, but um, just, just little tidbits that help us understand more what's going on with Cain. Now, the first is, um, we are told seven times, seven times that Cain and Abel are brothers. That's a lot of times, right? When you see that kind of repetition in Scripture, they're trying to draw your attention to something. So in the ancient world, uh, your closest peer relationship was not your spouse. It was your siblings, okay? And so um, we are supposed to take from this that the worst thing you could possibly do would be to murder one of your siblings. That's what Cain does, right? It's, It's the closest human connection he's got that he eliminates. Uh, We could perhaps leave Genesis 3 and think, oh, this whole sin idea, this whole idea of us deciding what's good and bad versus God deciding what's good and bad, maybe that just isn't that big a deal, right? It's just about eating fruit. Um, But here pretty quickly we see what the fruit of sin is, right? That the consequences of our decision to decide what's good and evil are dire, It's not about little religious questions. These are life and death issues, right? All of our selfishness, all of our brokenness, all of the violence in our world comes from this decision to decide good for ourselves. Uh, And then we'll come back to this again later, but um, we keep hearing this language of the ground being cursed, okay? So just hold on to that. I'm promising you we're going to talk about it. We will, um, just not right now. So this is the story of Cain and Abel. This is the story of the um, sort of spiraling descent um, into sin. We're going to see this story repeated, by the way, this sin pattern, a number of other times in the book of Genesis. But, but I want to pause with Cain's story and ask how it relates to ours. I want to ask where we fit in to this story of Cain and Abel. And I think the answer is that we fit in in the divine speech in verses 6 and 7. God says to Cain, "Why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, if you do not do tove, sin is lurking at the door. Its desire is for you." but you must master it. So, here's the question, I think, for us in this story. Um, Is it possible? Is it possible to master it? Is it possible for us to not give in to sin? Is it possible for us to truly be children of the woman and not be children of the serpent? Or is this story of Cain kind of inevitable? One of my uh, favorite movies, which is not related to Star Wars, is a film called A Knight's Tale. Anybody seen A Knight's Tale? Um, It's a Heath Ledger movie. Uh, Basically, the outline of the film is there's this boy who grows up. He's a Thatcher's son, so he's born into poverty in medieval England and he wants to do better things with his life, and his dad aspires for him to have greatness, um, but medieval England is not a place where social advancement is a normal quality of life. And so the whole movie is about how he um, can, can advance his position. Uh, and the very end of the movie, he becomes a knight really because of his character instead of because of his uh, pedigree, right? And I just want to show you a little bit of a trajectory of that film, Someday I'll be <gasps> a knight A Thatcher's son A knight? You might as well try to change the stars <laughs> Can it be done, father? Can a man change the stars? Yes, we. He believes enough, a man can do anything We could do this yeah, We've done it, boy That's silver in your hand then I mean, we can do this. We can be champions. But can't even joust. Well, most of them is the guts to take them blow, to strike them. The Guts I have. He's got spirit. A man can change his stars. <laughs> and I won't spend the rest of my life as nothing. But I've waited my whole life for this world. It's all I can do for you, son. Now go change your stars and live a better life than I have. Take a knee. So William. The son of John Thatcher! William so Thatcher! Come on, come on. That's your name, no. Sir William Thatcher. Your father heard that. So you you get the theme of this movie, can a man change his stars, right? Can a man change his stars? Uh, This is a film that fits really well into our our American dream idea, right, that we can work hard and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Um, But but I believe our Christian message is a little more complicated than that. Uh, I I think our Christian message is not uh, that we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, it's not that we can win this spiritual war on our own. It's rather um, that with God's help, um, with God's life in us, we can be different, right? With God's power living in us, we can master our sin. We really can take a different path. Uh, and I think we see again and again throughout this story the helps that God tries to give Cain in order for him to be different. Three things <clears throat> that, that God does to help Cain change his stars. Uh, the first is unbelievably simple, but unbelievably important. Um, God is present in his life. Right? Uh, in this moment where Cain is being tempted um, by um, his spiritual enemy to the ultimate act of selfishness, God shows up in his life. Right? God says, hey, you don't have to do this alone. It's not your job to conquer all evil and suffering and difficulty by yourself. I'm going to do it with you. Uh, and, and the God who came down to Cain eventually became human and lived among us as Jesus Christ, right? And every, even today lives within us as the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we have this incredible help um, that we're not doing this alone, that in these moments of inflection… <clears throat> in these moments of decision, of of change, um, God promises to show up. God promises to partner with us. second thing that God does for Cain in this moment is almost as important as that first. Um, God offers awareness. He offers awareness. Just hypothetically, um, what if uh, in this moment in Cain's life, when he was um, unbelievably angry at his brother and unbelievably jealous and whatever else was going on in his life, what if he decided not to hurt his brother? Would that be the last time he was ever tempted with sin? Of course not, right? Now uh, the story of Cain is not a story that's about having one victory and our lives aren't about having one victory our lives about recognizing that we are constantly faced with choices about whether we will choose ourselves or whether we'll choose god right whether we'll choose loving our neighbor whether we'll choose placing ourselves before our neighbor uh, and and this uh, these numerous decisions are um, our work of of mastering sin right mastering the serpent we do it every day uh, by the way, one of the challenges with the story of Cain um, is his sin is so dramatic. Right, I mean, the the scripture wants to make a point. The scripture wants to point out um, that walking away from God has these dramatic, destructive consequences. But for most of us, when we walk away from God, those aren't the choices we're making. Right? For most of us, the choices are are small. They're they're little things. It's Paul in Ephesians saying, "Don't let coarse or vulgar or silly talk." come out of your, lo- your mouths, right? It's, it's talking about um, these basic day-by-day decisions where we're called to decide if we will master our sin or be mastered by it. On Wednesday nights, we're reading this book called The Screwtape Letters, and there's a line in that book we read this week. The safest road... Uh, I'm sorry, to clarify, this is a book where one demon is writing to another demon on how to, how to tempt people to... Um, to fall away from God. And so, all the advice is inverted, okay? Uh, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Uh, there's this great conversation where this demon says to this other demon, don't go for dramatic sin. The problem with dramatic sin is that people notice it. And if he's a Christian, he might notice it and repent of it. Go for little sins, right? Let's get the little stuff in there because they don't notice it. And it's just a gentle, easy, slowly downward sloping road. No milestones, no signposts. I was thinking about this this week. My um, family, you might have noticed that I like movies, Um, my my family uh, gets together and we watch a movie once in a while and kids get to pick them and we had a um, movie, I actually kind of enjoyed a Disney Channel movie this week that we watched um, called Invisible Sister, I think. Um, Yeah, my my wife is nodding, she thinks so too. Um, Good movie, Mm, you know, not amazing movie, wasn't a great piece of theater, but it was fun. And, and as I watched the movie, there was really nothing in it that was objectionable. There was nothing in it where I thought, "Hey, you know, there's a bad moral point, or they're glorifying something sinful, or in fact, even the morals were pretty good. It was about noticing people who are hard for people to notice, and and how you can feel invisible, and it, it was really it was a good film. But what I kept thinking about throughout the whole movie was, boy, it's weird that in this whole story, God never comes up. God just never comes up, right? And then I started thinking about how many stories, books, movies, TV shows that I love where, where God just doesn't come up. And this book I've been enjoying called The Age of Opportunity talks about the idea that our teenagers, if they watch three hours of um, screens a day, a week, I can't do math. Anyway, they're going to end up watching thousands and thousands of hours of screens in their lifetime. And, and yeah, sometimes we get really horrible messages from our media, right? But, but I think maybe more dangerous are the subtle, um, not even negative messages, just this idea that, hey, you know what? Maybe you can have a really important life and never think about God. Maybe you can make these really important decisions about where you wanna to go to college or um, who you wanna be friends with or um, what career you wanna follow or how you're gonna to connect to your siblings. And just never think about God while you're doing it. And and what a subtle, uh, insidious message that our culture gives us, right? Yeah, fine, think about God for once a week on a Sunday morning and maybe once a week on a Wednesday night, but then in general, He's not relevant for the rest of your life. The safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. See, God offers Cain not just the gift of his presence, he offers him the gift of awareness. He says, Hey, you're in a war right? now, There is sin lurking at your door trying to get you. You need to be awake and aware to it. You need to recognize that in this world you are going to be tempted again and again um, to to live in the darkness, but Christ calls us to live in the light and to bring our lives into the light and to be aware um, that um, when we bring things to God and when we trust in His presence, we have the capacity to be different, So, God offers Cain His presence, and He offers him His awareness. And He does a a third thing um, to help Cain in this decision-making process. It comes at the end of the story. So, after Cain falls, after Cain murders his brother, um, we get a really interesting story um, with their conversation. There's some back and forth. Um, but But then God puts a mark on Cain. Did you notice this? He puts a mark on Cain so nobody else will hurt him the way Cain has hurt his brother. It actually is another parallel with the Genesis 3 story. At the end of Genesis 3, God gives Adam and Eve um, clothing made of animal skins, right, to protect them as they go out into the world. Uh, this is a different kind of protection. I think in, in marking Cain, God gives Cain the most important thing that he needs and we need after we make bad choices, and that, quite simply, is a second chance. God says, hey, I, I don't want to be done with you yet, even after you've murdered your brother, I don't want to be done with you yet. On January 1st, 1929, uh, the University of California Golden Bears faced the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and the Rose Bowl. Um, this is a, a, a famous game for um, really one major reason. Um, in the first half, there was an excellent football player on uh, the California team named Roy Riggles. Riggles? Riggles? Uh, And Roy um, stripped the ball and recovered a fumble from Georgia Tech. And then as he was trying to run um, with this recovered fumble, he got bounced around a little bit and he started running in the wrong direction. And he ran 65 yards in the wrong direction. In fact, the only reason he didn't run into his own end zone for a safety was because one of his teammates chased him down and physically stopped him on the one-yard line, okay? And you can imagine um, the effect on that young man thereafter, right? You can imagine how awful it would be when you realized this is a star football player, that you had run the wrong way with the ball. Um, by the way, the next play, his team tried to punt the ball out of the end zone. It was blocked. Um, the other team scored a safety, and those two points were the difference in the game. Um, his name uh, was Roy Riggles, but he got called Wrong Way Roy for much of his life. The story is that um, at halftime, um, the coach, whose name was Nib Price, had to decide who to put back in. Uh, and uh, after some consideration, he said, We're going to play the same team we played in the first half. The rest of the team got up to leave the locker room, but Roy didn't. Roy looked at the coach and he said, Coach, I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined myself. I've ruined the University of California. I couldn't face that crowd to save my life. Coach Price responded by saying, Roy, get up and go back out there. The game is only half over. So, Riggles goes back out on the field. He plays well. He blocks a punt. Uh, he has a, a great second half, uh, but they still lose by two points. Now, Rigels makes a career out of talking about why you have to go back out and try again right? Um, But what strikes me is that his story is like Cain's story. Um, His first half is so awful, it's almost impossible to get over it, right? And his team literally can't get over it. They lose by that margin of two points. But our story is different from the story of Cain. See, what you have that Cain didn't have is that you have Jesus, And Jesus doesn't just say, get back out there. There's still a second half to play. Jesus says, "Um, because of what I've done for you, I can wipe the scoreboard clean. Uh, You can start the second half and it can be zero, zero. You can start the second half with no history of your story hanging over our relationship. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with the consequences of what you've done with other people, but between me and you, you get to start fresh. You get to begin new. This is uh, the best gift of God. It's the promise of the second chance. It's the promise that God isn't done with us yet. i got to say the, the story of Cain in our Scriptures is really a story of tragedy. He doesn't avail himself of the presence of God. He loses the presence of God. He doesn't avail himself of the awareness of sin and that spiritual war. He ignores it and and goes ahead with what he had intended to do, and he doesn't seem to take advantage of his second chance. In fact, as we read the rest of the story of Cain, it seems like his family gets worse and worse and worse. But there is some hope at the very end of this chapter. We're told That Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another child instead of Abel because Cain killed him. Oh, by the way, I'm becoming a Bible snob, but it does not say, God has given me another child. Um, The Hebrew says, God has given me another seed, the seed of the woman or the seed of the serpent. God has given me another seed. And in this line, we're told, At that time, people began to invoke the name of the Lord. God's not done yet. In your life, whether you've been Cain or whether you've been Seth, um, God's not done yet. God's got another half for you to play. He's got stars for you to change. He's got sin for you to master. He has a war for you to win. And when you fall, as sometimes you will, remember you aren't sealed with the mark of Cain. You're sealed with the waters of baptism. You're sealed with the mark of Christ. Every time that you get back up, you start fresh. Friends, let's take advantage of the opportunity that God offers us and let's join in the work and let's trust that He's not done with us yet. Thanks be to Him. Amen.